Hello and welcome to episode 104 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Thanks for asking. And what about you, Jacob? I'm doing great. I think we got a very good episode this week. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to discuss. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, we have a chock-full episode this week. We know it's about 20 days until spring training starts, until the Blue Jays play their first spring training game on February 27th. And because of that, and because it's practically baseball season with the Super Bowl happening later today as we record this, uh, we wanted to take this episode to get all of our predictions for the 2021 season on the record and in the books so we can look back at what we were right about, what we were wrong about, and hopefully have some breaking rights going into the offseason in 2022. But um, we just kind of want to start out broad and then narrow it down. We're going to talk about the roster. We're going to talk about specific over-unders for some players. But again, starting broad. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is what we think the Blue Jays' final record is going to be. We're putting the over-under on this at 90.5 wins. And what do you guys think? You know what? I I think... I'm going to take the over on that, but not by much. I'm going to say they're going to have 91 wins and 71 losses in a full season. Now, in order to kind of determine this, I looked at what their... You can't really look at their record from 2020 because they only played uh, 60 games, but they did have a 533 win percentage, which is equivalent to 86 games, uh, 86 wins. Now, to be fair, if this was a full season last year, I don't know if they would have been on to that pace, but... They they were good last year, and they had flashes of being arguably one of the better teams in the American League, and I think this year they are a better team, mainly because a lot of their, their core is you know there from last year. All of their guys are still on rookie deals, and obviously they've added George Springer. They've made some good additions in the bullpen. They're, they're not completely there yet. I still think they have one big move that they need to make, but I think for the most part, this team is going to be better, and I'm going to take the over with 91 wins. Uh, so you take the over at 91 wins. I'm going to take the over as well, Jacob. I'm completely with you. I think this team, uh, in terms of improvements this offseason, they took a major step forward. And you know, I've been I've been looking all week at pre- uh, predict- predictions this week. And there's some that say the Rays are going to be better than the Jays. There's some that's saying uh, the Jays will be better than the Rays. Or like both ways, right? It's going both ways. And I- I'm just going to give the Jays the competitive edge on this one because of the improvements they've made. Obviously, a little bit of a different story entering the offseason uh, with the Rays. I get, we already we, we actually discussed it where we th- most of us did think the Rays were better before the George Springer signing, but things have changed. The Rays have traded Blake Snell. They've made moves themselves by you know giving away these pretty good assets. And the one thing I guess that's set in stone right now is that the Yankees are the projected winners of the AL East once again. And of course, regardless if it's true or not, you know that it's pretty much the most expected or most obvious prediction in terms of that. And then of course, right after that, that's when it does get interesting because you have the Rays, you have the Jays, and you know, when you look at the Orioles and Red Sox, you assume or expect them to also take a little bit more of a step back. First of all, the Oriole, the Orioles have been a mess for a couple of years now, and the Red Sox again are kind of slowly taking uh, steps back. And um, you know, that leaves second and third up for grabs between the Jays and the Rays. I will say they get 92 wins. I'm going to go a little bit, I'm going to go one game better than you, Jacob, but um, you know, obviously for sure, very optimistic in a competitive division. We expect everything to go back to normal in terms of the schedule. And um, the one thing that excites me though, about these projections is that, um, you know, right after tonight, because we record this on Sunday, February 7th, the day of the Super Bowl, right after tonight's game, 
is when baseball is up. So that's the one good thing about Super Bowl Sunday. If you're a baseball fan, is that you know after tonight when the Super Bowl is handed out, baseball's on the clock. Yeah, personally, I don't give a crap about football really. Um, I think we know that from our history on this podcast. Really, any other sport besides baseball, but um, not to veer too much off the topic, but. I can't bet against Tom Brady, so I agree. I know Patrick Mahomes is pretty good, but can't bet can't bet against Brady. Um, anyways, back to on topic. I thought this would be a good number to put it at, but apparently not because I'm taking the over as well. Um, I'm gonna box you in, Bryson. I'm gonna say 93, 2015 so, vibes. Yeah, just so I got the top cap. Anything higher than that, I get the closest to. Yeah, but I think like like Jacob, you were mentioning it, but if you look at what the Blue Jays did this year. If you look at their win percentage and extrapolate out, like they would have been on pace to have an 86 win season. I think now that you add George Springer, now that you've added, uh, you know, Marcus Simeon, now that we're hopefully over the next couple of weeks, they add someone like James Paxton or Taiwan Walker or Jake Odorizzi. I think you're looking at a 93, 92, 91 win team, whoever of, of us you agree with. Um, but at the same time, I also think that we can't get our expectations up too much because I think if we just look at the 86 win pace that the Blue Jays were on last year and say, okay, they're going to be that good, I don't think we can say that because I think if the season had been a 162-game season, they would have been worse. They wouldn't have been an 86-win team. I think they would have been maybe 84-win, 83-win. So that's why... I guess even though I am taking the highest number and saying 93, I'm tempering my expectations a little bit. I think even if you if you just look at the players, they have the potential to be a, a this might be outlandish, but like a 97, 98 win team. But at the same time, we don't know what to expect over a full season from a lot of these guys who showed promise in 2020, but might not be as consistent. I'm talking about Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Goriel Jr., um, even some guys at the bullpen like Jordan Romano, um, Nate Pearson, we don't know what to expect from him. So I think there's a lot of question marks and that's why I'm sitting at 93 and not higher, but still pretty confident with the additions they're making. Um, okay. So at 91, 92, 93 wins, um, yes or no, uh, are the Blue Jays going to make the postseason and how, if you think they will, um, wildcard or AL East pennant? I think 100% they make the playoffs. If they don't, then something is crazy within this league. I don't know how you can be that good and not make the playoffs. I'm going to say yes. However, I'm very torn on how. I mean, first of all, we don't even know how the playoff structure is exactly going to look, but I'm going to focus on uh, both of you mentioned the Yankees as kind of the favorites to win the AL East, and I think that's true. I think the Blue Jays have a shot at it, but I think it's a bit of a stretch. I think if they make the playoffs, it's going to, I think they're definitely, first of all, going to be second place in the AL East, but in terms of how they actually get into the playoffs, it's most likely going to be a wild card type of situation. Or if the playoffs are expanded to allow for say like the top two, uh, second place teams or similar to last year where like the top two teams made the playoffs and then they have some sort, some sort of different wild card format. Uh, I think the blue Jays will be at the top of that. The, the, div, the division is, Again, like I said, it's a stretch. It could happen, but I'm leaning more towards that. And for the Yankees, you know, a lot of things are going to have to go wrong in order for the Blue Jays to not be, uh, 
or to, for them to win the division. Yeah, uh, I think Marcus Semyon said it the best. Uh, he said, expanded playoffs or not, it's a playoff team. And I'm completely on board with that. 10 teams, 14 teams, 16 teams. The Jays are going to be getting in no matter what. Uh, I think that's my personal opinion. I'm very optimistic about that one. Uh, I do think that the safe bet is to take the Jays as a wild card team. For um, you know, Jacob, you touched on the Yankees as being the favorite, of course, and it's expected, right? But you know, I'm I'm not as um, I guess against the idea of the Jays challenging them. Like you were saying, how a lot of things need to go wrong. Um, you know, I I do think things need to go wrong, but you know, I'm willing to also bet on the Blue Jays to somewhat. Um, you know, challenge the Yankees, regardless if it's, you know, just flat out beating them or not. I just think that they have a chance to compete with them, regardless of what goes right, what goes wrong, injuries or not. You can't, I, I can't rule that out. Absolutely not. But uh, in terms of that, you're going to have to take the safe bet. The Yankees will win the divisions, which means uh, expanded playoffs or not, wild card series or wild card game, the Blue Jays will be a wild card team. So you just hope, obviously, they can go farther than that. And I guess that's the next. Uh, prediction, but yeah, I, I do think they're going to make the playoffs and be a wild card team behind the Yankees. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you can count the Blue Jays out, but I think we should expect the Yankees to be a better team. So definitely, like you said, Jacob, second in the AL East. Um, it just depends whether the postseason structure allows for a wild card team in that situation, or like we saw this year, kind of the top two teams from the division making it in. Um, I think the like I said the Yankees are a better team but if they've been plagued by some of the same problems that we've seen in previous years and we're going to talk about this but if the Blue Jays are in a position at the trade deadline to make a lot of moves we could see a big jump from the Blue Jays. I think there's a chance if you look at where the situation the Blue Jays are in if they are very aggressive at the trade deadline I think there's a better chance that they will best the Yankees in the AL East and they'll win the AL pennant. But again, I, I think the situation will be that the Yankees are pretty much shoe-ins for the AL East pennant at, at the point of the trade deadline. And the Blue Jays realize that um, and that they, they come second in the AL East. Um, so since we're all in agreement that they do make the postseason, how far in the postseason do you think they're going to get? I can start this one off. Again, I said I think the Yankees are the better team. Um, and I've said this before, but I think the Blue Jays make it to the ALCS and they lose in five games to the Yankees. Um, I'm confident that they can make the postseason and get it farther than they did this year or in 2020. But I, I'm just not confident if they're you know on the big stage against the Yankees in the ALCS, who I think the Yankees are the best team in the American League pretty much right now. So um, I take them to make it to the World Series. Um, finally, New York getting back to the World Series. Um, and I, I'm not confident in the Blue Jays' ability to perform um, when when they need to. I mean, I'm just looking at the history of the team, 2015, 2016, and I'm nervous in betting for them to perform on the big stage like the ALCS. So ALCS losing five games to the Yankees. I think I kind of did something to myself that I shouldn't have in our George Springer episode when I predicted they were going to go to the World Series. And as much as I want to kind of pull back on the optimism, I'm going to say that they go to the World Series and they lose to... I know I said the, the Padres, and I, I, you know what? I'm going to stick with that. I think they go to the World Series. They're not going to win. They're going to lose in seven games. But I I don't know. I think this team... 
it is a question mark and no doubt about that. It's hard to say that you have a lot of young players who really haven't proven that they're going to win when it matters. But I think for the most part, this team gained playoff experience. They've added a World Series champion. So they now have somebody that is good enough <clears throat> to take them to, to that next level. So I'm going to say that they do get to the World Series, although I'm in terms of cautiously optimistic 90% of that is optimism, but 10% of that is very cautious because I think this team is good. They're going to be very good, but it's going to be, it'll be a big stretch, but I th- I think they have it in them to do that. Well, so you guys are ALCS and World Series. I'm going to give myself low expectations so they can easily surpass that, hopefully. I'm going to say they lose in the ALDS. Uh, I just need to see more from them. Mark, I think you mentioned a good point of their playoff history. But, of course, it is a different team than it was a few years ago. But I'm just one of those guys that needs to see it to believe it when it comes to all these expectations, which is why sometimes I have a hard time uh, predicting or have a hard time dealing with, you know, projections of, you know, how they're going to how far they'd go in the playoffs when we haven't even started camp. So that's why I'm going to be safe and say the ALDS and of course, I hope I'm I'm hope I'm wrong, and I hope it's something that they can easily surpass. But I just need to see it from them to get more optimistic. Regardless if it takes one month, two months, maybe a trade deadline um, later in the season, I think I just need I need to see more, and I need to see it actually happen on the field for me to be optimistic, rather than just assuming based off of paper. So I say uh, they lose in the ALDS. Uh, I think they give a, they um, they'll go what four or five, no they'll go five games in the ALDS, which is the max in the ALDS. So. I, I'm not going to go anywhere past that just yet. So I just need to see more from them, and I'm going to be uh, safe with this projection or prediction so they can easily surpass it, and I can be wrong. Do you have a team that you think they're going to be playing in the ALDS? I will say the Chicago White Sox. Okay, that would be a fun series. I'd be it happy be watching that. Yeah, um, it would but be. But Jacob, Game 7 of the World Series, you think it's going to that? You've stuck with it since the uh, Springer deal, so I give you credit. You're sticking with it. I think they have the potential to do it. As much as I want to pull back on that, I I do think that this team has the capability of being a lot better than our expectations. And I, I hope that. I mean, I'm a fan of them. I want to see them do well. But I don't know. I think I think it's possible. Wow. That would be exciting. It would certainly be exciting. Um, Bryson, you mentioned the trade deadline. Uh, we know the Blue Jays are going to be competitive this year. But looking at the picture of where this season plays into their long-term competitive schedule. We don't totally know how aggressive they're going to be at the trade deadline. So looking ahead to the trade deadline, looking ahead at where we think they're going to be positioned in relation to the Yankees, in relation to other wildcard teams, where do you think or how do you think the Blue Jays are going to um, perform at the trade deadline? How aggressive do you think they're going to be? If we look at the archetypes of you know 2015 being the high end of the scale, incredibly aggressive, getting David Price, Troy Julewitzki, you know all these guys. If we look at 2020 as um, I guess the low end of the scale, just kind of a little bit aggressive, you know Taiwan Walker, Jonathan VR, um, some lower key names like that. And then if we look at somewhere in between of those three options. What do you think the Blue Jays are going to do this season? How do you think they're going to approach this trade deadline, um, given our anticipation of where we think they're going to be positioned um, in terms of the postseason? I think it's going to be similar to 2020, just because this roster, for the most part, it is set. And obviously injuries happen, you know, underperformances happen. But the infield, I think we can all agree on the fact that that is pretty much set. The outfield, same thing. 
catching. We know Danny Jansen's going to catch. Uh, looks like Alejandro Kirk's going to be the backup. But pitching is really where they need the, the most help. And assuming they get a starting pitcher before the start of the season, I think it might just be, you know, a, a lower key move, like a, a depth move, maybe a piece off the bench, although I don't think that that's probably what they'll do. It'll probably be just a bullpen guy. Uh, obviously, if there's an injury or somebody's underperforming, then that completely changes it. Then you have a need that you need to, to fill. But as of right now, I'm going to say that they just, they don't make a ton of moves. They'll definitely make some move, whether it is, you know, a bullpen guy or maybe a starter if uh, my roster prediction doesn't go exactly to plan. But for the most part, it's going to be a very quiet offseason. They're not buying 100% like in, in 2015, but they're not going to make no moves. They're going to make something, some type of move that is not super aggressive, but it, it fills a need or it, it adds to their depth. I think they will enter the season somewhat you know, um, kind of comparable to 2020. However, if they end up, well, first of all, the last couple of weeks is going to be important for me because it depends on who they add. If they add or end up getting someone like Jake Odorizzi or James Paxton, even if they get one of those guys and somebody on their radar shows up at the trade deadline, I think they're going to be more aggressive. I do think that, and I do think that if they, they have the pieces to do it, and if this is somebody that they really want, I've seen enough out of this front office to believe that they, they would pull they would pull the trigger on something. So even if they get James uh, Paxton or uh, Jake Odorizzi, one of those two, you know the rotation is a lot better, or it's better than it was before before that. But of course, there's a lot of area and need for improvement. And if names become available, you know I would not be surprised they do something. Uh, I you know there's there's been tons of rumors this offseason. We know that there was you know trade rumors as well with the team. There was the Cubs rumor for a little bit, but other than that. I do think that they can center themselves and put themselves in position to make a splash. And if you know, and it also depends, of course, of how where they line up against teams like the Rays and the Yankees. And if they really think that they need an addition, I do not think they're going to play a conservative. I think they were. I think they're going to be full throttle aggressive for it. But that just depends on you know, I guess the interest they have, which is why they'll start the season kind of monitoring the market. But if it comes to the point. I'm not going to say they're going to act like they did in 2020. I do think that they have more pieces to give. And, you know, there's a lot more upside if you want to trade now, especially this trade deadline, um, if you want to improve this team going down the stretch. So you're saying it's going to be like a like a 2015 deadline? Yeah, I wouldn't call it 2015 because uh, 2015 was very aggressive, of course. Uh, you know, a lot of the trades they made, I do think it'll be somewhat similar. I'm not going to say it's going to go to that extent, though. Okay. Well, I I will. I think it will be like 2015. I'm just, I'm looking at the position of this team. I'm looking at the depth of the farm system. And I know Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, they are cautious people. They aren't the type like Alex Anthopoulos, who's going to go out and splurge for those big names, or at least we haven't seen them do that yet. But I think we could see them do that this season. I think the Blue Jays have an opportunity here to make it back to the postseason, not just make it back, but make it deep into the postseason, and they have the opportunity to be incredibly aggressive. I don't think they're going to totally satisfy everything they need with this team this offseason. You know, we have three weeks left. I don't think they're going to totally solve the problems of the rotation. Yes, I think they're going to sign James Paxton or Taiwan Walker. Yes, I think they're probably going to shore up the bullpen a little bit with a couple under-the-radar deals, but I don't think that's going to be enough to take them from where they are now to being you know, a World Series winning team. So I, I see them at the trade deadline making a little bit of that next step, picking up a front-of-the-line starter or 
a star reliever um, just to shore up those deals and make huge deals um, and make big moves for the offseason. So that's what I see happening. I see a 2015 level offseason. Or like you're saying, Brayson, maybe a little bit below, you know, because 2015 they got like two bona fide stars plus a bunch of other players. So maybe a little bit lower key than that, but I still see a couple big moves happening at the trade deadline. Honestly, we could see something similar to 2016 where, uh, if I remember correctly, it was uh, Joaquin Benoit, low, very low risk deal, but he was amazing until he was injured. Uh, Melvin Upton Jr., no, they, they made some moves that ended up working uh, for the most part, but maybe that's what we see. You know, They're not going to be too aggressive, but they're going to maybe not go for re- extremely low risk deals, but a type of deal that isn't as questionable as uh, certain or other moves that they've made throughout their tenure. Yeah, Francisco Liriano, another name who is back with the Blue Jays now signing a minor league deal, but he was involved in that 2016 trade deadline. Um, I think, I like, the 2016 deadline, I think, was more similar to the 2020 deadline than the 2015 deadline, because, like, there was just a bunch of, you know, small deals. Like, you mentioned the names. Like, they don't jump off the page. But David Price, Troy Tulowitzki, like, those are names that are insane. Like, those are top-tier top of the baseball you know you look at David Price that offseason he signed a what was it 220 million dollar deal with the Red Sox so that's like a list star um and I think 2016 was just like 2020 it was under the radar names um moving on from that conversation uh let's turn things to the roster so we know there's a lot of questions around the roster that will probably be answered within the next two to three weeks whether it comes to you know, who the starters are going to be, you know, signing a guy like Paxton, Odorizzi, Walker. Um, we keep saying their names, but that's because we really expect it to happen. Um, but I think more of the questions are around where people are going to play and who is going to make the cut internally. We've seen a little bit of question in the outfield, you know, with the little bit of a jam they have now with Grishik and Springer and Guriel and Hernandez. Um, in the infield, we know we have the debate between catchers, Kirk and Jansen. Um, where is Guerrero going to play? Is he going to be at first, third, DH? Um, is Simeon going to be at second, Bichette at shortstop? You know, all these different questions. So we just want to really want to get our thoughts on the record and predict what we think the opening day roster is going to be. So let's start off with the infield. Um, the, the position that I have is Telez at designated hitter, which I think we all expect. No big surprises there. Catcher, I have Jansen and Kirk splitting time there. Um, I think if I had to choose, Jansen will get more starts, but I think it'll be pretty evenly split between them. At first, I have Guerrero. I know we've talked about this. I really, before the the signing of Marcus Simeon, I did not see him at third base. And with the signing of Simeon, it's even less likely um, now that they have a kind of a log jam of good defensive players in the infield. And then Bobochet sticking at shortstop, obviously. And then Kevin Biggio, I think, is going to spend most of his time at third. But again, that's a little bit up in the air. Um, I think he'll, like I said, spend most of his time at third, but um, get some reps in the outfield. He'll shuffle around with Marcus Simeon, with Bobochet. Um, he'll really play all over the diamond. But that's that's my pick for the infield. I think for the most part, we have the entire or the exact same uh, setup here. I think Jansen and Kirk are pretty much a lock. I, I think Jansen will catch more than Kirk, at least for this season or at least for the start. You know, if Kirk is ridiculously good, then you can't just keep him out of the lineup. Uh, 
I think, like you said, with Guerrero, he's staying at first. Uh, Simeon and Bichette up the middle. Bichio, I think he's going to spend more time at third just because, you know, there's a jam in the infield, but there's just as big a jam in the outfield. And with George Springer now even even further complicating it, you can't you, know, you can't have Grichik say, say Grichik is uh, in right field and you have uh, Teoscar Hernandez as the DH. Where does, you know, it just, it's going to overcomplicate it, complicate it even more. Uh, so essentially the same thing, uh, uh, what's his name? Rowdy Telez essentially going to be their DH, you know, he'll split time with Guerrero. Uh, but for the most part, it's the exact same. It's like, I said this earlier in the episode that the, the infield is pretty much set in stone. Uh, I do think Santiago Espinal is going to be on the bench and he's going to get some time in, uh, here and there. But for the most part, that's pretty much what I, what I predict the infield to look like. Yep, I'm with I'm with all you guys. Exact same thing. The only thing I'll say about Kevin Biggio is, you know, even if he's going to be penciled in as the third baseman right now, there's still lots of potential for him to be that super utility player this year where he's moving all around um, the field if there's injuries or just matchups that I guess Charlie Montoyo prefers. But, you know, right now you're going to slot him in for sure at third base. So everything else I'm with you guys on. And, of course, Marcus Semien, new addition. That'll be interesting to see how he pans out at second base. So everything else, though, um with you guys mm-hmm. i didn't say my pick for um the bench but i think santiago espinal is gonna that too yeah I, I think he's gonna make the roster showed a lot of promise in 2020 and i don't think the blue jays have anyone better than him to fill in the bench so i think he's gonna be there um i think with alejandro kirk at catcher maybe we should you know lower our expectations a bit i think what he showed in 2020 is not what he is going to be all the time because 2020 he was insane right offensively he was crazy but I don't think over a full season over a large sample size he's going to be that good so you know right now if Kirk played as well as he did at the end of 2020 I think he would be the starting catcher but again I don't expect him to be that good and that's why I think Jansen is still going to be starting um and obviously not because of his offensive skills because of his defensive skills um you made an interest. I, I don't know if you meant to say this, Jacob, but you said it's like pretty much set in stone. And obviously we all agree on how things are laid out, but I think it's as set in stone as possible for the Blue Jays, which is to say not much because obviously they value flexibility and they value players moving all over the diamond. We saw it with BGO. We've seen it with other players. I mean, to a lower extent, but Gurriel Jr. has done similar things. Guerrero, we might see similar things with. Um, So I think it's as set in stone, but none of these players are going to be firmly at their position. You mentioned, uh, Jacob, you could have Telez at first, um, Grishik DH, Teoscar in right field or Teoscar DHing Grishik in right field. Um, the the possibilities are endless with this team. So I think we can be as confident as possible in where these players are going to slot in, but it's never entirely clear because of the way that they like to run this team. Um, so moving to the outfield and keeping that in mind, um, I think this is another thing that we're pretty much all going to be in agreement with. Um, but left field, I have Guriel. I mean, nothing to justify there. That's obvious. Center field, George Springer, same thing. Right field, Teoscar Hernandez. And then as a fourth outfielder, I do have Randall Grishik. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see where he slots in. Um, I think they'll just really ride the hot hand. You know, if Teoscar Hernandez comes out swinging like he was in 2020, I think 
Randall Grishik is going to be um, the fourth outfielder on the bench a lot of the days. But I think if, you know, Grishik, we've seen him. He's a very up and down player. He's a very hot and cold player. I think if he's running hot, they're going to put him in for Guriel or, um, or or Hernandez. I think Springer gets a start every day, but I think they'll they'll mix and match depending on the lineup, depending on the pitcher they're facing, um, depending on right lefty balance and um depending on who is who is hot at the moment yeah exa- exactly the same thing i mean like you said springer we know he's playing every single day for the next five to six years uh the only thing that is kind of upsetting not upsetting but just you know a a uh something that's happened just with the springer signing is jonathan davis i don't think is going to get much time if any time uh, he'll still come to spring training he'll get his opportunity to to earn his spot but we know who's going to, we know the starting outfield. We know that for sure. Grichik's going to get some time in, you know, he's not going to sit on the bench the entire season, or at least for a good portion of the season, he's going to play. But with Jonathan Davis, it's just kind of the outfield. Uh, and by process of elimination, he's just not going to get in into as many games unless, you know, I've said this a lot during this episode, unless there's injuries, then obviously that changes things. But with a healthy outfield, it's just, it's going to be Guriel, Springer, Hernandez, and then Grichik every once in a while. Yeah, so I'm with you guys on that. I think, I'm sorry, I think Randall Grichik, of course, does slide out of one of those starting three positions. I just haven't seen enough from him. You guys haven't either. We've talked about it. And unfortunately, as much as he had a good 2020, it was a really shortened season. And, you know, he went, you know, even towards the end of the season, he actually kind of started to cool off. So over our course of 162 games, we've never seen Randall Grichik that consistent. Now, this is where I have a little bit of a different, I guess, approach than you guys. I think they're gonna. I think there's gonna be five outfielders to start, and I think that fifth guy is gonna be Derek Fisher. Wow. Uh, when I look at the bench, wow. There is no left-handed batters. There is no left-handed batters on for the outfield. For the outfield, yes, you can throw in Kevin Biggio, but if you want another option and if you want somebody to run off the bench, Derek Fisher, I think, gets in. I think he makes the team. And uh, Jacob, I completely agree with you on Jonathan Davis because I feel bad for the guy, of course. He hasn't really gotten an opportunity. And yes, he is a better player than Derek Fisher, but he's a righty and that's where he's the odd man out. I think they go five because with Randall Grichik, I think they're going to, Mark, you mentioned or you kind of put it in perfectly of how they're going to, you know, kind of keep everybody in the lineup and ride the hot hand. And if you want another option that's going to be more of a primarily bench player, I think Derek Fisher gets in, and wow. I know that you, you guys look surprised from what I'm seeing from <laughs> you right now, but I just, I think they need another lefty option, and they got nobody else right now, and that's the honest-to-God truth. It's Derek Fisher, unfortunately, that would be one of the only options that they have that's a lefty, other than Kevin Biggio, because yes, he can play the outfield, and I'm sure he will be using the outfield at points this year because of his bat, the way he hits, but you might need another option, and that's why Derek Fisher slots in for me. Wow, I thought you were going to throw a curveball and say you thought Randall Grishik would be traded. Like, I thought that was what you were going to say, not not, not Derek Fisher. That's, wow. I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, Randall Grishik, we know they're trying to trade him. And, and of course, that can eventually happen as well because we're talking about the trade deadline, or we did previously. But, yeah, I, I would not be surprised, Derek Fisher. More of a option to sit on the bench. Maybe he doesn't even have to pick up a glove. Maybe he just needs to pinch run or because we've seen like I just that's an option and even the way he hits but the defense is a problem of, of course. I do not want to see 
the reaction of fans when they announce the opening day roster and Derek Fisher is on it. <laughs> Can you imagine the hell storm that's going to be? Oh, man. Okay, well, it's an interesting choice. I think you're wrong, but <laughs> I guess we'll find out. We I think they would prefer to carry... I, I think they would prefer to carry an extra arm in the bullpen instead of an extra guy in the outfield, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, speaking of the bullpen, speaking of pitching, let's move on to the starting rotation. Um, I think there's still a lot up in the air with this. It depends on what happens with over the next few days with whether the Blue Jays acquire someone, whether they don't. Um, which is certainly a possibility. Again, it's not likely that they miss out on one of these guys that we know they want, but it's a possibility they end this offseason without an additional pitcher on the roster. So um, just in order, I think it's going to go Hyunjin Ryu, and then I think the Blue Jays are going to sign James Paxton, so I think James Paxton is going to be the number two starter. I have Robbie Ray as the third starter, and then this is where it gets interesting because after those three um, it's you, I mean, it's, you, you have like no idea what's this going to be, what it's going to be knowing that the arms that the Blue Jays have, it's very confusing, but bear with me. But number four, I'm saying Tanner Rourke. Um, I, I don't think there's nothing you can do with him right now. You have to put him on the roster or release him diesel truck. or trade him. Yeah. <laughs> the diesel truck, you got to warm him up. Uh, but there's nothing you can do with him. Like no one wants to trade for him releasing him means you just eat his contract and there's really no one to replace him right now unless you put in I guess like Ross Stripling into the rotation um or of course you know Anthony K Ryan Brucky names like that um but I think he's the best option the Blue Jays have right now and obviously he's not a good option it's kind of sad that he is the best option but I think he's number four and then number five I have Steven Matz going in there um I think he bounces back after 2020, and I think he puts up similar numbers to what he had in previous years, which is to say an average, maybe below average starter, but for the Blue Jays, that's exactly what they need right now. And then my last prediction is that after about a month and a half or two months, um, someone will replace uh, either Tanner Rourke or Steven Matz in the rotation, and I think that someone is Nate Pearson. I think Nate Pearson is going to start the season in AAA. Um, I think after the 20, 2020 season he had, um, the Blue Jays want to give him a work on him a little bit, give him a couple reps, make him comfortable in AAA before moving him up. So I think he'll start there. Then after a month or two, he'll move up, replace either Tanner Rourke or Steven Matz. I'll be honest. I have such a vastly different viewpoint on this. Wow, I think okay. obviously high engineer is their, their number one guy. I'm going to say they acquire Taiwan Walker. And we've seen throughout the last week that they've shown interest in him. And the fact that he's still not signed is mind-boggling to me. But I think he's their number two starter. I think Nate Pearson makes the team out of spring training. I think he starts the roster, starts the season on the roster. I think Robbie Ray is their fourth starter. And then one guy we haven't mentioned, obviously Steven Matz could be their fifth starter. But I'm leaning more towards Francisco Liriano, who <laughs> was signed to a minor league deal with an invite what? to spring training. <laughs> that's an audacious choice i look, wow. i think the, the the thing with him is he he didn't miss last uh 2020 because he was because he wasn't able to play because of his own skill he missed because of uh he opted out and i think unless he is terrible in spring training he is not or he is making the roster and if it's 
you know, a high threes, maybe even a four ERA. He's their, I think he's their fifth starter. Steven Matt, the, the fifth starter is very fluid. I think it could be Steven Matz, potentially Anthony Kay. I think Anthony Kay is probably their best option in the bullpen. Uh, and if we talk about the bullpen, I think he might start the year in AAA, get stretched out rather than go uh, in the, have a bullpen role. But that's what I'm going to say. It might be, might be out there, but I think it's probably what the Blue Jays could benefit from. Okay. And Mark, sorry, I just missed what um, the player is. So instead, you didn't have Pearson making the opening day roster. So was it Ross Stripling instead you had in the rotation? No, I had Paxton, Ray, Rourke, and Oh, Matt. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the problem with the thing is, I think I'm more with Jacob on in terms of getting someone like Odorizzi or even um, Taiwan Walker. I just, you know, right now when you look at it, you have Robbie Ray, Hunjin Ryu, Steven Matz. Those are three lefties. I think that you want to have a righty. Uh, or more righty somewhere in there. So, uh, obviously, Hunjin Ryu. Uh, I got Robbie Ray as well as my second starter. And, of course, I'm talking about, as of now, I'm not even talking about any additions. And I do think I do think Nate Pearson makes the team as well. I'm with Jacob on that one. Uh, I think he gets his reps in the spring, and I think that might be good enough for him to make the team, barring any setbacks or injury and maybe limitations that we're unaware of right now. But if all if the coast is clear and everything goes as planned with Nate Pearson, I think he starts the season in the rotation. I do have the diesel truck, Tanner Rorick at number four, and I have Steven Matz as the fifth starter. So that's a lefty option, of course. Now, however, if they end up getting another name, uh, such as Jake Odorizzi, James Paxton, or uh, Taiwan Walker, uh, I do think Tanner Rorick stays in the rotation. I think Steven Matz would then move to the bullpen. But in terms of Francisco Liriano, that one's interesting because I just, he didn't pitch in 2020, and that's why it doesn't give me any optimism that he has any sort of competitive advantage when it comes to the spring, even if he does well. How much is he going to sell the team in terms of this is, you know, in, in terms of his product in the spring? That's why I do think that he doesn't have a lot of leverage. And even if he does pitch well, you know, the, I think the best role for him to enter the season, if all goes well, is that he's an option in the bullpen. And of course, if not, he's probably going to have to go to the minor leagues or maybe he requests a release. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some sort of clause there where he can request a release if he doesn't make the team. Uh, usually that's what happens with veterans on minor league deals like that. But uh, I do think Francisco Liriano is more realistic to make the bullpen. But if they get one of these guys, these one of these three uh, names still on the market that we've been talking about, I do think then that moves Steven Matz to the bullpen. And I do think Tanner Rourke, regardless, starts the season in the rotations, but as well as Nate Pearson. Honestly, if I'm being frank about what I think is going to happen with Francisco Liriano, I think he is going to be either released or is going to be in AAA. I don't think he has really any chance of making the bullpen. I don't know. Like, he didn't... His 2019 season was good. Like, you look at the numbers, it was a good season out of the bullpen for him. But I just don't see him fitting in with the Blue Jays, and I also see him as someone who is A, old, and missed all of 2020. I don't see him bouncing back as the same player he was two years ago. So I don't see him making the team at all. I see it either AAA as an extra arm, maybe come up if someone's injured, or he gets released. Um, that's how I that's how I see it shaking out. Um, but to what you said, Jacob, what happens with Tanner Rourke? Because if I remember correctly, you didn't have Rourke in your rotation. So wh- where are you going to put him? Does he maybe try his hand out of the bullpen? Like what? Do the Blue Jays trade him, release him? What's happening there? 
No, he's a diesel truck. He cannot be coming out of the bullpen. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know that he is owed $12 million, and that is a lot of money. You don't want to just waste that, but unfortunately, I think the best option for him is to not pitch for this team. The rotation has its question marks, but if he's in the bullpen, which is probably not realistic because, like you said, Bryson, you can't you can't take a long time to get uh, into the into the groove when you're only pitching one inning or two innings or three at most. Uh, but when I look at their bullpen, I just I don't fit him in anywhere. I think unfortunately he's going to get released. It's it's a sad thing, you know, just spending that money, you know, to not have him pitch with Troy Tulowitzki flashbacks. But <laughs> it's one of those situations where. And to be fair, Tulowitzki was no fault of his own. I, I don't want to say that that was bad. Well, but it's just he did he did refuse to play anything else but shortstop with the Blue Jays, and then turned around, signed with the Yankees, and was like, "I'll play wherever you want." And then celebrated after hitting a home run in spring training. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just focused mainly on the injury because I I did feel bad for him. He was he was uh, in I think it was 2019 and back in June he uh, I think it was against the Angels. He he stepped on the base bad, but I think. Unfortunately, with Tanner Roark, it's going to be uh, see you later because as much as he is owed a lot of money, the Blue Jays cannot afford to 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 have him struggle. And if he, I think he's coming into spring training, uh, we'll see how far he goes into spring training. But unless he unless he really proves that he is a different pitcher, I I really just don't see him pitching a lot or at all for the Blue Jays this year. I look at it just because either way, you want to release him, you want to trade him. You're going to have to pay him money regardless. If you trade him or release him, if, even if you trade him, you're likely going to have to pay at least half of that salary of, of $12 million. I see somewhere. Yeah, I yeah. think like more. <laughs> and that's if, if that's if a team's willing to take some sort of chance on him. And then, of course, if you release him, you're stuck with that money. So I look at it the way is either way, it's a, lo- it's a loss because you're stuck with the money. You might as well see what you got from him because there really there's no other. You're, you're stuck. Like, Mark, I, you nailed it. That's why I don't think... He gets released or anything like that. I do think he makes the team, and you're gonna they're gonna try and see what they get from him. I don't think it's a long leash though. I I would give it two months max if it goes as bad as it did in 2020. But you give him the benefit of the doubt, give him a chance at least to see. Like I'm not gonna rule it out that he's average or something like that because it could be acceptable. But I just you're stuck with him, and why you know if you're gonna release, you might as well keep him if you're gonna be stuck with the money regardless. So that's why. He, for me, he's a lock to make the rotation, unfortunately. Unless there's some sort of trade they can find before the season, I don't think he's going to get released, though. Yeah, and I think that's where Nate Pearson comes in for me. Like, I see Nate Pearson as someone who, again, like I said, finds his footing in the minor leagues after a little bit of a rough 2020. I just think he never looked comfortable in 2020. So I think finds his footing, gets a little bit more comfortable. And then, you know, after a month, whether it is Tanner Rourke having a short leash and really just showing that he's the exact same person he was at the end of 2020 and they can't do anything else except release him or trade him on very bad terms for the Blue Jays. Um, or maybe it's someone getting injured. I That's the role I see Pearson coming in. I think he'll stay in the rotation until the end of the season. I just don't see him starting the season in the rotation. But it's certainly interesting. I think that's probably... Of all the questions we have about the Blue Jays roster, the starting rotation is the biggest question mark, and I think that's where we differ the most on what's going to happen. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens and to see how people perform in spring training. I mean, Francisco Liriano, he could come out and strike out 20 batters in a row 
in spring training over his whatever it'd be four or five appearances and make the team and you know surprise everyone or he could be absolutely nothing after missing 2020 so it really just depends we'll see what happens it'll be interesting to watch um another interesting conversation is the bullpen um we know who I I think we largely know the big names that are going to make it and the big names that are going to be filling out the back end of the bullpen but some of the the lesser names are a little bit of question marks we've seen a couple signings we've seen Kirby Yates Tyler Chatwood AJ Cole um where do you see all these guys fitting in what positions do you think each of them going to is going to take and who do you think is going to start on the opening day roster in the bullpen? Well, it, it's a lock that Dolis and Romano are probably going to be their setup well, uh, slash closer. And I, and I put both of them in that position because I'm favoring Dolis, but I think they're going to probably audition for it. And it'll probably go to Dolis, but I still think they're going to give Romano the option. I'm going to probably argue that guys like Anthony Kay and Thomas Hatch are uh, fit in, fit him in with Ryan Brook. You're going to be like those middle inning guys. Although I did say with Anthony Kay when we talked about the rotation, he might start the season in AAA and have himself uh, pitch in those starting type roles where he's able to get his work in uh, in order to move him into the starting rotation. But assuming he goes into the bullpen, I think that he'll be a middle. He'll do exactly what he did last year. Uh, Trent Thornton, uh, we haven't really talked about him too much, but I I've said this for the last couple of years. I think he's better in the bullpen. He is better. Trent Thornton is better in the first time throughout the order uh, than when he faces the order a second or a third time. And he's he's a much better pitcher when he's facing somebody once or at most twice. So you put him in mid-innings or maybe even if the, if the starter gets uh, rocked early on, you throw him in there. I think we'll see guys like A.J. Cole uh, and Kirby Yates, maybe even Tyler Chatwood, kind of the, the later innings. Uh Ross Stripling, I know you guys mentioned him as a starter. I think, honestly, the Blue Jays can just fit him in probably similar role as Trent Thornton, although he'll probably see him more often. I don't know. The Blue Jays have a lot of guys that are either middle-inning bulk-type guys or closers, closer-slash-setup guys. But I think, for the most part, you're going to see those uh, the names that I just mentioned probably in the in the middle of the innings with... I mean, hey, this is, this is a pretty good bullpen. I mean, it's not... It's not top tier bullpen, but I think it's pretty good, and especially towards the later innings, you know, uh, with Dolis and Romano, they were they were fantastic last year. And then you add a guy like uh, T- Kirby Yates, Tyler Chatwood. They, if they if they do what we're expecting them to do, I think this bullpen is definitely very good. I love predicting the bullpen because this is, I guess, it's more of the like the. It's just no one ever has the exact same bullpen, or at least it's very rare, and it's almost nearly impossible to predict or get everything right. So. Jacob, I have a lot of differences from you already. So <laughs> the one thing is, yeah, I never had Stripling as the rotation. I think he's a lock for the bullpen, correct? Yeah, I um, think I mentioned him as a possibility to start, but I don't think he's going to end up. For sure he is, yet. though. Yeah. Like opener, like we know the way, like even with someone like uh, Julian Merriweather, like we've seen openers, and that's why you can't rule it out. And someday, maybe on a fluke day or an injury or whatever, the Jays don't have a starter that day and they can do that. But... Uh, I think the closer's Kirby Yates. I think Kirby Yates wins the job out of the spring. And even if Rafael uh, Dolis or even Jordan Romano outperform him, Kirby Yates has been a closer for uh, throughout his entire career. It's more of his, he's more comfortable there than uh, they would. But my two setup uh, pitchers are Dolis and Romano. I think that's a slam dunk. 
Now, uh, in terms of Thomas Hatcher, he brought up, I think he starts the year in AAA and starts. I think Anthony Kay starts in AAA and starts. I think AJ Cole makes the team. Uh, he came back on a minor league deal. We always questioned why he was released from the get-go. He came back for a less, um, a, a smaller contract in terms of salary. So he, I think he makes the team. Ryan Barucki, I think, makes the team as a bullpen option. I think Tyler Chatwood makes the team. And I will give the benefit of the doubt to Francisco Liriano. I think he gets in there as well. Unless, this is bu- this is before an addition between uh, Paxton, Odorizzi, or Walker. Now, if they come in from what I mentioned earlier, that pushes Mats to the bullpen for me. And then that pushes Liriano out of the door. But if they enter the season without any no- more additions, I think Liriano gets in. And of course, this goes back to me predicting the five outfielders. I can't really add another pitcher because I would be maxed out so if they go four outfielders then I think that extra reliever would be Julian Merriweather but those are my guys and of course it's all subject to change in terms of pitching because we don't know if they're done yet you can't rule that out we were pretty set on the infield and the outfield in terms of the offense if they bring somebody else in Mats goes to the bullpen Liriano is probably a free agent and but if not I think Liriano is that last guy to make the team I actually have a very similar set up to you Bryson I do have Kirby Yates closing I think that's what we should expect of him he's probably going to be the best reliever in the Blue Jay bullpen um, and I think we should expect him to fill that role I do have Jordan Romano and Rafael Dolis also um, setting up I think Romano might take that role exclusively or even depending how he performs he might become the closer um, I think he has the potential to do that I think he is very, very good and um, has the potential, like I said, to be the best reliever in the bullpen, but it just depends. I think that's how it starts. Um, AJ Cole, you mentioned him. I think he also makes it. Ryan Barucki is another name you said. I think he also makes it. And again, Tyler Chatwood, another guy who makes the bullpen as a long reliever. Some couple names that I also agree with you not making the bullpen. Um, uh, Anthony Kay, I don't think will make the bullpen, but I do think Thomas Hatch will start the season in the bullpen. Um, I think the Blue Jays really like him. He's really, really good. We saw that in 2020, and they like using him as an opener. It worked out. We saw the, you know, the first series of the season. He opened against Tampa Bay. He was fantastic. So I just see the Blue Jays slotting him in in the same role. You know, Maybe two innings, maybe one inning. doesn't really matter, but I see him in that position staying in the bullpen. Um, another name that neither of you mentioned, but Shun Yamaguchi, um, <laughs> I see you shaking your head, both of you, but he is a name. Okay, I got to be honest. I thought he would make the roster until Bryson, you mentioned Julian Merriweather, who apparently I've completely forgot about. So I think, um, I, I think there's a good chance Merriweather comes into the bullpen instead of Shun Yamaguchi. But I think an added complicating factor in this is that Shun Yamaguchi has a clause in his contract that he has to stay in the majors. So it's either the Blue Jays, I guess, release him or keep him in the majors. So again, they're not going to be eating much money. I think it's $3 million or $4 million um, that he's on contract for next year if they do release him. Um, but I think the if, if Merriweather isn't fantastic in spring training and if Yamaguchi kind of finds his footing a little bit, um, we know he struggled with velocity and with some of his off-speed pitches in 2020. 
I, I don't think it takes much for Yamaguchi to make the roster instead of Merriweather. But that that's what I have. I have Ross Stripling, Tyler Chatwood as kind of the long guys along with Shun Yamaguchi. And then Ryan Brucky, Thomas Hatch, AJ Cole as kind of the one-inning guys. And then in the setup, Jordan Romano, Rafael Delis, and then closer, Kirby Yates. I do think the Blue Jays will have a big bullpen. Um, I think I have nine guys in there, which is, of course, very large. But I think they would prefer that, especially knowing the way they used their bullpen in 2020 and kind of exhausted it. I think they would prefer a big bullpen to a deeper bench or um, a deeper you know, outfielder with, with a fourth outfield, a fifth outfielder, um, as we've talked about. I think they will prioritize having a lot of relievers on the roster. I think the the bullpen is probably where the Blue Jays need the most options. And like you said, with the with the shortened bench, uh, we know pretty much who's going to play where in terms of the, the, the field. Uh, and for the most part, everybody's set. But with the bullpen, and especially the starting rotation, there's just so many questions where you almost need those options in case something happens. And I'll be honest, I think... Whoever, uh, you guys are probably more accurate. I, I don't know. My my predictions are a little bit out there, but I still think that that's a good bullpen. I, it's It could take the Blue Jays uh, definitely deep in the playoffs, especially if their pitchers are, are, are their starting pitchers, that is, are, are pitching well. But yeah, the bullpen is just that, it's that place where, uh, I think it was you, Bryson, that said that this is just a weird spot to predict because there there is just so much, so much flexibility where, aside from really your, I mean, the Blue Jays, all three of us will primarily me had a different op- of opinion who's going to who's going to close but aside from that there's just so many different options and it's almost as if you need the spring training to see who fits where and that's just kind of where the blue jays are right now they have options and they need to see where all of these these guys fit into this weird puzzle that is their bullpen yeah and the bullpen just to add to that point it is so unpredictable cuz you can have guys come out of nowhere i mean like looking back to like twenty, like Roberto Osuna, like who knew his name before spring training twenty fifteen? Like he came out of nowhere along with, if I'm remembering his name correctly, Miguel Castro. But then of course we know Castro didn't totally work out. But like guys can come out of nowhere. Like who knows? Like maybe Patrick Murphy impresses and he comes out of nowhere and makes a bullpen. Maybe you know others these names like. I, I could really see it happening where someone comes out of nowhere, really impresses, and makes a bullpen out of spring training. Um, you never know. Maybe TJ Zoik. Maybe he you know, shows up and makes it. So I think the bullpen, of all the things that the Blue Jays are doing, the bullpen is the most unpredictable just because you can have guys come out of nowhere. I don't think we see the same type of out-of-the-blue success for starters. But the bullpen, it's really luck of the draw. But yeah. Those are our thoughts. Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, To wrap up our conversation today, we have a few individual things we want to nail down and get on the record um, before the season starts. The first question, and we can kind of go rapid fire on this, how many games will the Blue Jays play at the Rogers Center over under of 10.5? I said under, and I actually put zero because I don't I said the exact same thing. (laughs) With with the way this vaccine delivery is going and the borders, I have zero reason to be optimistic for them coming to Toronto and the same thing with the Raptors we got to look at them because they're in I think it's Tampa Bay right now or at least in the the same arena that the Tampa Bay Lightning play and they're not it doesn't look like they're coming up to Toronto so I don't think the Blue Jays will have the same uh, or they'll have the same thing as them they're not coming up to Toronto over Um, I'm just interesting I, I have I have optimism because one yeah the vaccine distribution right now is poor Jacob however a lot can change in a couple of months, and they're saying by the summer, 
it's going to get a lot better. Yeah, they're still promising everyone to be vaccinated by yeah, So they haven't, they so. haven't, you know, there's still a chance for that. And this is when I think they go back. And if this, it's different from the Raptors because, well, the Raptors are playing right now. And it's different. because, And they're going to end, obviously, around the summer. It's going to be a little bit delayed as it usually ends because of how late they started. How cool would it be for Canada Day they go back? That's my prediction. And if it's not Canada Day, they're back August or September. There's 10 games right there or 11 games, especially if you go in to around August. But I think a perfect situation is Canada Day. I just have optimism that they're, they're going to be back there at some point this year. Game seven of the World Series, Rogers Center. I would buy tickets for that, even if it was like five grand. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I agree with Jacob because I think the inertia is just that once the season starts, they're not going to want to move. I, I don't see them, you know, starting in Dunedin and then all of a sudden, you know, saying uh, it would be amazing if Canada Day weekend they were like, okay, yeah, we're going to move up to the Rogers Center and celebrate it this way. It would be incredible, but I just don't see the thing happening that way. I just I just think the inertia will be so much that they, they just won't move this season. and. You know, maybe we see it happen, but I really don't think it's going to happen. I'm agreeing with Jacob. I'm putting the under and at zero games um, at the Rogers Center. Okay, the next question is, which Blue Jays or any Blue Jays, I guess, will make the all-star team? Um, I had three names on this. It was a little bit ambitious, but I think the most obvious choice is Bobachet. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, another name I had is Marcus Simeon. Maybe a little bit of more of a question mark. I think he... I'm confident and I'm trusting that he will be close to what he was in 2019. I don't think he'll be as good, but I think he'll be close to what he was. Maybe a six-war player. Um, and and I think that's obviously good enough for the All-Star game. And then the third name, perhaps this is a little bit of a surprise, but Jordan Romano, I think, is going to make the All-Star team. I'm going to be honest, I did not even think of Romano, but I don't know how I didn't because he was fantastic last year and he, he has done nothing to prove me... Uh, or prove to me that he's going to do otherwise, but I'm a, I'm going to agree with you. Bo Bichette's making the All Star team. You know, MLB loves to loves to post about him on social media. They clearly love him, and he's a good player. So I, you know, when you're good and you're marketable, that that usually means you're going to the All Star game. But I'm going to say George Springer also performs as well or good enough to make the All Star game because he is a good player. I think he's what a three time All Star. Uh, he's he's now he's. He's probably the, the focus of the Blue Jays outfield. You know, he's very good. Uh, he'll definitely be good this season, so I think he makes the the uh, All Star game. Also, I'm not sure. This is a little bit optimistic, and I know with pitchers, it's really weird. But I, I'm going to guess Sion Jun Ryu at least gets a shot because obviously there was no All Star game this this season. But I don't know why he couldn't have been in the in the All Star game if there was. And I I, rem- I mentioned. I think it was in like August or September, towards uh, middle to the end of the season, where his ERA, uh, w- without his first two starts, was like a one point seven or something. It was it was absolutely fantastic. And again, he he has done nothing to prove me otherwise that he's going to regress. And I mean, he's he's a fantastic pitcher that I think will definitely uh, he'll definitely get the call. I agree with you on Hunjin Ryu. So he's my first one. I have Ryu Springer Bichette. And Teoscar. I think Teoscar Hernandez has another good 2021 or another good season in 2021. And I think it's enough for him to be an extra uh, that's added. But I do think Bichette, Springer, and Rio are going to be, or at least Springer and Bichette will be uh, starters. And then I'm sure I think Rio will be 
uh, in the mix in terms of being able to uh, make the team or be able to pitch at some point during the game. Probably not a starter, uh, most likely not, but he definitely would be somebody like a bullpen option uh, for the All Star game. It's just you know, Bo Bichette. We know what we're getting out of him. He's a slam dunk. George Springer, of course. And yeah, I just uh, Teoscar Hernandez had a breakout twenty twenty. So I just have a lot of optimism for him heading into twenty twenty one as well. I don't know why I forgot about Springer, but yeah, Springer. Like he's going to be an All Star. Um, I don't know. I think I'm a little bit bearish on um, Teoscar Hernandez. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was in twenty twenty. I think if the if it was a full season, we would have seen him cool off a little bit but we just didn't have that chance so I think he'll still be very good but I don't think he's going to be all-star level level good which is of course disappointing if it comes true and I hope it doesn't but those are kind of where I'm setting my expectations um, for Hernandez this year okay the next question how many games will Vladimir Guerrero Jr. play at third base I put the over under on this at 20.5 so really do you think he's going to get regular time at third base or only make a couple starts there in a pitch. I said under at 10, mainly because, as Shai Davidi pointed out a couple weeks ago with with the Simeon acquisition, Biggio is taking over third now. You'll probably see Guerrero every once in a while, uh, especially as as you mentioned earlier in the episode, where if there's a matchup, uh, like a weird matchup, where if, uh, say, Guerrero is at third and Biggio is in the outfield so that they can get to Lezin or however it works, you know, maybe you'll see things like that, but... For the most part, Guerrero's your first baseman. You might see him. Even 10s may be generous, in my opinion. But I think Guerrero's rarely ever going to see time at third base. And even in not even looking forward or looking beyond this year with some of their prospects that are uh, infielders probably going to take over third base there, that's even just less time for Guerrero. So I think he's putting a lot of work. I think he, he, I think he wants third base, but I don't think that it's likely. Yeah, I'm under as well. I think a lot has to happen for him to spend at least 10 games there. It's going to be some emergency situation or a lot of injuries have to happen in the infield for that to happen. But I think he would be one of the, I won't say the last option, but he's not going to be the first option uh, for third base. I'm going to go under. Yeah, same. Under. Um, He's, yeah, he's, the way that the Blue Jays are setting things up, there's not going to be a chance for him. I mean, he didn't play a single game at third base in 2020. I don't know why that would change in 2021. I think it, like, I I can see him playing a few games there. Like, I'll put it at, I don't know, 15. Or between 10 and 15 games at third base. Um, but I don't see it as anything more regular than that. I can see the opportunity arising, like I said, if they want to get certain bats in the lineup. We know there's some roster crunches somewhere. So I can see it happening occasionally, but it's certainly not going to be a regular occurrence. Um, okay. Second to last question. Um, how many games will Nate Pearson start? Now, this is maybe more of a question that I just find interesting because this is something I I, I personally don't think he's going to start the season with the team um, compared to you two, but we're setting the over-under on this at 20.5. Um, so what do you guys think? over um, 20.5 starts or under 20.5 starts? I said over, and I'm going to guess 25 starts, a little bit over, but not a crazy amount over. I think for them, he's going to start the season in the in the starting rotation, and he's going to pitch there for the majority of it. The only reason why I'm guessing 25 and not 30, and for reference, 25 starts every five days or so is about one th- 100, or 135 games, so some of this, or the majority of the season, but I'm going to say that you might see something like Aaron Sanchez in 2015, where if 
the Blue Jays are in a playoff spot, they put him into the bullpen. Uh, but for the most part, I think he's going to be a lock in the rotation, unless he proves otherwise, which, I mean, it could happen. He hasn't necessarily proved himself yet in the in the majors, but I'm predicting that he spends a good majority of the season in the starting rotation. Yeah, I'm with um, I'm with you on that one. I'm over, but I'm going to say 23. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you. Uh, Mark, it makes sense that you would be under just because, yeah, you, are, you, you don't think he begins the season in the rotation. But if he's going to begin the season in the rotation, barring any injuries, and if what, is it, what I mentioned earlier, if everything goes smoothly, there's no reason for him not to reach that uh, mark of 20 games if he starts the season on the roster. So that's why uh, I will say over, but I'll go around 23 starts. Maybe a little bit under Jacob, but 23 is going to be over. I'm definitely under, and I'm under by a lot. I'm going to say 13. He only starts 13 games. Wow. Let me explain myself. Jacob brought up part of the reasoning there. But the first part is I don't think he's going to start the season in the rotation, which we've already talked about. The second part is, like Jacob said, he hasn't had a full season in the majors. I think they're going to be concerned about his workload, concerned about his the, the number of innings he's pitching. So I think... They keep him in the minors for about a month. They move him up when the situation arises, whether it's, as we've talked about, Tanner O'Rourke, uh, Tanner O'Rourke on a short leash, whether it's an injury, whether, you know. Um, and then they keep him in there for some of the, the middle months, you know. But then towards the end of the season, I think Jacob's right. I think they're going to move him to the bullpen. Or I could see him starting but only making short starts, you know, keeping him to three innings, four innings, kind of a – I guess an opener situation, but more than that, um, covering the first innings or maybe they have an opener before him and he gets a couple middle innings. Um, I see them wanting to limit his his pitch count, his inning count. Um, so I, I am envisioning a situation where he doesn't get that many starts. I think in 2022, when he comes back, he's going to be starting all the time in the starting rotation. You know, he's going to be starting leading the league, whatever, like 33 starts or 32 starts. But I think this season they're going to take things slow, especially with his injury history and be cautious with how they use him. Um, Okay. The last question we have today, who is going to lead the Blue Jays in wins above replacement this season? I say Bo Bichette leads the team in war and... It is, I'll say, a war of four, exactly. I think George Springer comes close. I'll say one under. But Bo Bichette, we've seen what he's done in a shortened 2019 season. We've seen what he's done in a shortened 2020 season. And, you know, of course, it's not a big sample size, unfortunately. But when you look at the projections based on what he's put up, it's around. It's it's close to that margin I said of four. And I just think he's the most consistent hitter on this team. Of course, George Springer, a massive addition, but... You know, I'm more familiar with Bo Bichette. I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He gets on base. He gets hits. He gets, and that's all that matters for me in terms of war. And of course, um, you know, defensively, he made some errors last year, but I think that he's going to be a lot better this year. Bo Bichette's my pick. Mm, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to go at 4.5. I wanted to say five as his war, but I don't know if that's maybe too generous. I'm going to say 4.5. He is an everyday player and unfortunately he did miss some time last year with injuries but barring any injuries he is every day your everyday shortstop he's getting in the lineup every single day and he's I think other than George Springer maybe even with George Springer he is probably your best position player so he definitely is leading the team in in war if you're asking me I think Bichette is going to be up there I think he's going to be higher than 
4 or 4.5. I think he's going to be like 5 war, maybe even higher than that. I think he's going to be really good. But the pick that I have for leading the team in war is Marcus Simeon. What? Maybe a little bit of an unpopular opinion. Um, Bryson, you look like <laughs> you're in shock. I just look in 2019, he had 8.9 wins above replacement. 8.9. That's better than Mike Trout. Mike Trout had 8.2 wins above replacement in 2019. So if Marcus Simeon is anywhere close to what he was in 2019, which I think he can do, I don't think he will be exactly what he was. I don't think he's going to be a nine war player, but if I, I, I think if he puts up anywhere near the same kind of numbers, even two thirds as good, he's going to be a six war player, right? I think he's going to be really, really good this season for the Blue Jays. Um, I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to have six wins above replacement. I think Bichette is going to be close. I think Bichette's going to be like five, maybe a little bit lower than that. But I, my pick is Marcus Simeon. Yeah, that was, um, I, I for sure thought between all of us, it was going to be Springer or Bichette who we predicted. Wow. Okay. But yeah, 2019 Marcus Simeon, you know, what was it? Third in AL MVP voting. I think it was third or at least second, but top three. And he was elite in 2019. We've, we talked last week. We're not going to take too much away from 2020. But, yeah, he definitely has the potential to get to that point. We've seen it before from him. So there's no reason to believe otherwise. I just, yeah, he's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how he does. But, yeah, okay. Uh, leading the team in war, I, I don't mind that at all. Just uh, that surprised me there with that uh, prediction. Hey, go big or go home. I mean, no one's going to remember if I predict Bo Bichette. But if I predict Marcus Simeon correctly, hey, people are going to be listening to this podcast think I'm a genius. But I could also look like an idiot. That's a possibility. <laughs> it's a very real possibility. Okay. Well, with that, with all our predictions on the book for the 2021 season, we're going to end things here. As always, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Section138Pod. And you can support us at our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Section138Pod, which you can find a link to in this podcast description. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.